Psalm 106 is a song about human sin and divine compassion. Human sin and divine compassion. This psalm is written during the exilic period, and it is a confessional psalm recounting Israel's history of faithlessness to God. Despite her sin, however, God has compassion upon the nation so that when they repented, God delivered them from their captivity. As we look over these 48 verses, we're going to divide this psalm into several parts, but we'll begin with the contemplation in verses 1 through 5. Contemplation. And as we, as we deal with the contemplation, verses 1 to 3 will be praise, and verse 4 and 5 will be prayer. Then we'll work our way from verse 6 through verse 45, and we'll see the confession. The confession. We'll see patience in verses 6 to 12. Punishment in 13 to 23. Perversity, 24 to 27. Provocation, 28 to 33. Pollution, 34 to 39. Persistence, 40 to 43. And finally, pity in verse 44 and 45. And then we'll wrap the psalm up with verses 46 to 48, captivity. And in the captivity, we'll see punishment in verse 46 and prayer in verse 47 and 48. So let's begin with verses 1 through 5 and consider the contemplation, the contemplation. And the psalmist begins his contemplation with a word of praise in verses 1 to 3. Praise the Lord. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Who can speak of the mighty deeds of the Lord? Or who can show forth all his praise? How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. Notice verse 1 begins with praise the Lord. Many times we've transliterated this Hebrew word into English with the word hallelujah, praise the Lord. And then it's followed by a call to worship, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because he is good. God's goodness is his perfection. In all of his ways, in all that he says and all that he does, God is always good. And not only are we thanking him because he's good, but we praise God, we worship God because his loving kindness, his covenant love, his mercy and grace is everlasting. It goes on and on and on. And that covenant faithfulness from God is what the psalmist is counting on as he prays this prayer. Now, he asks, who can speak of the mighty deeds of the Lord? Who can show forth all his praise? And the answer is very simple. No one. There is not one person who is worthy to witness God's works. There is not one person worthy to worship God rightly. And yet, God has called us to praise and worship him. And through his son redeeming us, he has, the worthy one has made us who are worthless, worthy. But in our natural state, we are not worthy to praise him. We are not worthy to speak of his mighty deeds. And, you know, it really is good for us to humble ourselves. It is good for us to uh, look at ourselves and in comparing ourselves to God, see how small and, and, and how insignificant we truly are before a mighty God. And yet as insignificant as we are, out of all of the things that he has created, he chooses to love us the most, and to have a relationship with us. He says in verse 3, blessed are those who keep justice. 
those who keep justice. In other words, uh, you know, and again, we have one of a, a beatitude, if you will. Uh, you know, we, we are in a state of favor. We receive God's favor when we keep justice. In other words, uh, when we are just or righteous, just as God is just or righteous. So keeping justice or practicing righteousness comes when we obey God's law. So if we obey God's law, guess what? We're going to be blessed. We're going to find favor with God. Now, certainly this is heavy on the psalmist's mind and heart because they're in exile. They're in exile because they've disobeyed God's law. And so they're desiring to say, wait a minute, we want to be in God's favor, so we're going to commit ourselves to obey God's law. And we're not just going to obey it some days or part of a day. We're going to obey it at all times continually. Now, if Israel had done that, they'd have never gone into exile. And you know, if we would do that, how many times would we have avoided chastisement in our life? We move on to verses four to five. Remember me, O Lord, in your favor towards your people. Visit me with your salvation, that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. And here in this contemplation, verse 4 and 5, is a not just praise, but now prayer. So he contemplates God, and he's praising God, now he prays to God. And he's pleading to Yahweh, remember me, O Lord. With what? With favor. You know, he just talked about being blessed or being in the position of having God's favor. Well, now he's praying, Lord, don't forget me. Remember me with favor. You know, the favor you have towards your people. You know, God's people have a unique relationship with God, a unique place of favor with God. Lord, restore me to that place is his prayer. Uh, again, he prays, visit me with your deliverance. And of course, you know, they have been in exile. They're pleading, Lord, bring us home. Get us out of this exile. Uh, save us from this uh, from this situation that we're in. And how many times have we cried out to God, Lord, save me from this situation, get me out of this, deliver me from this. But have we stopped to realize that perhaps the situation we're in is our own doing? And it's because we disobeyed God's word, because we weren't faithful to him. And so we need to pray to God. And again, he's, he's, he's pleading him uh, to re be rescued from the exile. And he says, Lord, we want to see prosperity again. We want to we want to see benefits again. And of course, you know, living in prosperity, they had no benefits. They had no prosperity. Uh, you know, they were basically an enslaved people. And they want to be back in the place of blessings. And he's confident that when God acts, when God rescues them, when uh, in, in spite of their sin, now that they're repenting of their sin, they're right, waiting on that divine compassion, and they know that God will put them back in the place of blessing. And then when it happens, he says, we will rejoice in the gladness of your nation. We're going to rejoice, you know, uh, 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 amongst the people of God. And will glory with your inheritance. And what is God's inheritance? The nations. There's coming a day when Jesus, as the King of kings and Lord of lords, will inherit all the nations of this world. Now, let's move on to the confession. We're not going to cover all of the confession, but let's begin with the first part of the confession, and that is patience. Patience in verses 6 
through 12. Now again, here the psalmist is confessing to God things that are on his heart. And as we work our way over the next several devotions uh, from Psalm 106, as we work our way through this confession, I'd like to challenge you to look at your own confession before God. You know, when you've sinned, when, when you need to repent of your sin before a holy God, you know, what does your confession look like? Well, notice his begins with a word of patience. Verse 6 to 12, we have sinned like our fathers, we have committed iniquity, we have behaved wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. Thus he rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up, and he led them through the deeps as through the wilderness. So he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. They, then they believed his word. They sang his praise. Now what he's confessing here is God's patience. How long has God been patient with you? You know, the psalmist here starts with the Red Sea. And again, I find this interesting. Psalm 104, Psalm 105, rehearsing God's faithfulness in creation, rehearsing God's faithfulness in history. And the psalmist is kind of going through the creation account and then Genesis and through Exodus. Well, here the psalmist now is going back and starting at the, at, at the Exodus, at the Red Sea. And he said, listen, uh, you know, you delivered us at the Red Sea, uh, and you delivered us through these wilderness wanderings. But he shows here a pattern of human sin and divine compassion. Sadly, when we get to verse 34 and 39, we're going to see that this pattern continues once they get into the land. That's going to take us through the book of Judges. And now they're in the exile. Why? Because the pattern continued. And yet God is long-suffering. God is patient. He could have wiped them out, but he didn't. He's still long-suffering. He's still compassionate. And so verse 6 is a corporate confession of guilt. We have sinned. We've missed the mark. We have fallen short of your standard of holiness. And not just us, but with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We've been perverse. We've been lawbreakers. We've done wickedly. You know, and by using the plural, he's drawing his generation into this confession of sin. Verse 7, in Egypt, we did not understand your miraculous interventions. You know, had they grasped what God was doing in the plagues, they'd have humbled themselves and repented before Yahweh. But they didn't. And then God brings them up out of Egypt. And then he brings them to the Red Sea, and they all of a sudden were suffering from spiritual amnesia. Oh, what are we going to do? God brought us out here to die. They did not remember the covenant love, the multitude of God's mercies, the acts of love that he had showed them through those plagues, culminating with the Passover and protecting their firstborn children. Instead, what they do at the Red Sea? They rebelled against God. And here the psalmist recalls God's people's response when Pharaoh was pursuing them. They said, oh, there were no graves in Egypt, so you've taken us out here into the wilderness to die. It would have been better for us to simply serve the Egyptians. So folks, as we take a moment to reflect on human sin and divine compassion, we have to reflect on our own sin. We have to reflect on the things that we have done. And we begin by, you know, 
coming to God and seeking his compassion, seeking his forgiveness by prayer. And, and really, it's a contemplation. We need, to, we need to start with praising God for who he is. And then we come to our prayer portion and start putting our request out to God. But then I think it's necessary to not just simply, oh, Lord, forgive me. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. But, you know, to really take a moment and to contemplate uh, what we have done and then confess what we've done. You know, we're so quick, oh, Lord, you know, we just want to paint with a broad brush. Yeah, if I've done something wrong today, forgive me for it, Lord. If I've done something sinful, forgive me for it. Now, granted, there are probably things that we have done that we have forgotten about. But how many things have we actually done that we know we've done? Have we actually confessed them before the Lord? Maybe it's time to sit down and take a moment, go back to the moment that God saved you, and start working your way forward and think through the times of rebellion in your life. And ask yourself, have I acknowledged this to God? And have I confessed this to God? One thing will be sure. You will see that God has been patient with you. We'll continue next time in verses 13 to 23 with punishment. So we've seen God's patient, patience. rather. Now we will next see God's punishment next time. Let's pray. Father God, we come into your presence with thanksgiving, into your courts with praise. We come to you through the matchless grace of Jesus who laid down his life, who died, who shed his blood, buried, rose again, now sitting in heaven at your right hand as our great high priest interceding for us. Father, Lord, we have to acknowledge that, yes, we're saved by grace, but we're sinners nonetheless. And Father, there are many times that we have sinned and probably many times that we have not genuinely confess those sins before you. So, Father, as we have opportunity, let us go back and and help us to look at our past and to consider if there are times that we have sinned and perhaps not confessed it. But, Father, not only may we confess our sins, but, Lord, help us, show us how you have been patient with us. And, Father, we want to ask you to forgive us. Don't stop being long-suffering. We need you to be patient with us. In spite of our human sin, we thank you for your divine compassion, the fact that you continue to forgive us, you continue to deliver us and restore us, Father. And we thank and praise you for that and give you all the glory and say, Amen.